As many of you know, we're on the road this week in Florida, working on a few special projects, and it's hard to get all the radio shows done. I want to bring back one from earlier this year with my good friend, uh, Bishop Ian Anderson. He and I used to work together in the Reformed Anglican Church, as many of you know. I lost him a few weeks ago. He's a good friend and attended his funeral. He died the day after Easter. But we had a great conversation way back in January, and that program has got some information that is still relevant for today, and also to remind you of the importance of radio, ministry projects, the life that we have in this world. And so I'd like to to go back to earlier this year with my my conversation with my good friend, Ian Anderson. After a long week of the news, how about a, a weekend full of some hope? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Today, I want to share some, some memories and some good news and some information I think you're going to find important. Be a little bit different today on the program. It was five years ago this very weekend, five years ago, this very weekend, I recorded the program then known as Your Weekend Show from the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis in the Caribbean. At the time, I worked for a ministry that had an opportunity, a wonderful opportunity to take over. They had been given a very high-powered radio station that would cover virtually all the Caribbean and, and into the northern part of of. Uh, South America. One of the things you have to worry about in ministry are opportunities given and opportunities lost. Oftentimes, God shows you where the harvest is and you just don't want to do it. And I remember being on that island and looking at this facility, looking forward to the wonderful things that could be done with this facility. Matter of fact, it was five years ago this weekend, you heard me say something like this. And if you're just tuning in for whatever reason, listening on shortwave or on internet radio, you're just tuning in and wondering, why does the program sound so different, Bob? Is there, there's so much noise in the background. Where are you? Well, the truth is I am not broadcasting from our, from our regular studio. I'm actually recording this program today from the Caribbean island of St. Kitts in the West Indies. And it's an honor to be here, and God has orchestrated this trip. So whatever happened, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure, but for a long time, the opportunity that was there may now have disappeared. I've learned something both in life, in business, and even ministry. There is a truism missed opportunity. The Bible warns you about missed opportunity. We're told there's a harvest out there. If we don't do the harvest, we're going to be held responsible for the work that God gave us that we didn't do. This is a problem today. And so there, that high-powered radio voice is still silent. Whether it ever gets on the air again or not, I don't know. I have no connection. I wish that it would, especially in the kind of world that we live in today. These kind of voices that are going to be, well, offshore, even shortwave from places like maybe Panama or Belize or or wherever God can open a door, 
may become important from time to time. The cancel culture, we've we've talked about it this week a lot. They're out to get revenge right now. This is not about winning an election. This is about destroying the person that held the office of the presidency. And I make no bones about it. I do believe that there was cheating in this election, and it may have been sufficient to make the election void, but certain governors, certain places, people are afraid of the cancel culture, including our Supreme Court, unfortunately. Oh, but Bob, there was no cheating. Listen, we're in Georgia right now. I've lived in this state, and we've never done anything like mail ballots out to people that live in a field. I mean, no one's ever lived in these fields. Yet ballots got mailed and returned. People that are dead. Oh, the Secretary of State said, I think it was two. No, it was a lot more. A tremendous number of people that don't live in Georgia became instant residences and came went right back to where they came from. In other words, the rhinos didn't care about the steel. And they may pay a price for it. This is going to be universal in a lot of places. I think in time, the truth will come out, but it's too late. Opportunities missed. We're held accountable when God gives us a wonderful opportunity and we do nothing with it. I pray for that ministry and I pray for opportunity. I started this radio show It'll be going into its sixth year next month. Actually, it goes into its seventh year. I'll be winding up doing it six years. The program was about one year old when I broadcast it in that recording, that little snippet you heard uh, from St. Kitts. And I really look forward to the opportunity of, of watching the shortwave ministry that ministry had at the time grow. And But they chased all these other ideas. Many never panned out. And so they just live on the internet, getting shut down hither and yonder. So keep this radio program in your prayers. I'm thankful for the letters that I've been receiving, and I'm going to be sharing some of that stuff next week, some of the letters I've gotten. What an encouragement you are to me in doing this. My wife looks at me someday, some days and says, why do you do this? And I said, because I just feel God leading me to keep doing it. I give my time. Jesus gave his life for me. I give what I can to help toward the airtime, and many of you have come to really stand and uphold me in that, and I can't thank you enough. Today, just to take a little break away from the normal kind of show we've been doing, good friend of mine, Ian Anderson. No, not from the group Jethro Tull. Ian Anderson, as in the Right Reverend Ian Anderson, Bishop Ian Anderson, he and I served together in the Reformed Anglican Church. I'm actually now the presiding bishop. And I'll be heading off this weekend to Texas to receive a congregation. I can't wait to be there. Get back late Sunday night, early Monday morning, and uh, and hopefully I'll be able to share maybe by Tuesday or Thursday, Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll, I'll tell you all about the trip. This pandemic made a lot of churches make some choices. And I I don't fault the choices you made. But some churches have been almost too easy to close down. Thank you for keeping us safe. But some churches are beginning to, to challenge that. Bishop Anderson, welcome to the program today. And 
The coronavirus impacted many churches across the United States and around the world, for that matter. There were a handful early on in particular that refused to comply, and some still are happy to remain closed. When you look at it, you're feeling about how does it stand now? Are are a lot of them staying closed? Well, it, it is in some circles. Um, I know plenty of pastors who have already hung out the sign, even some in California that says, I will not comply. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there are times when the church, of course, Jesus commands us that we're to honor those who are placed in charge over us. Yes. But it, it doesn't mean that we have to shutter the windows because of something that in this country would be deemed unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. The, the Constitution allows for freedom of worship, and you can't impose laws that are contradictory to the Constitution with regard to how and where someone worships. That's if you right. say, well, we have to have social distancing and masks, and you've got to do this and you've got to do that, in order for you to do anything, then or even threats, they've done it in New York, threatening to shut down the church. Oh, yeah, permanently. We're going to take away your building. Yeah, permanently, yeah. Uh, and that, in and of itself, is unconstitutional. You mm-hmm. can't do that. But there are some governors who have overstepped their authority mm-hmm. in imposing these things, and there are some churches who have said, oh, okay, like that cartoon. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, thanks for keeping us safe. We'll put our masks on. And, and, and stay know, home, uh, and we won't I, even go. And stay home, yeah. And I've seen, you know, early on in this, back uh, before Easter, okay, I did a virtual, because I didn't know what was going on. None of us did. With regard to this pandemic. Hey, I worked in emergency manage back th- management yeah. back then. We we were still in a learning curve. So I, you know, I I would never fault a church saying, "Hey, look, we're going to we're going to back off for a week or two till we get a handle on what's going on here." Well, once I found out what exactly this was, it, it occurred to me that wait a minute, if this is a you know, SARS event with a 98 or 97% survival rate and certain precautions are taken, uh, how do you mitigate, you know, the, those kinds of statistics to the point to where people can, can move freely and, and do what it is that we do as Americans. We have a right to make choices about what we do. It, it's kind of like I remember the day, look, I'm not a smoking advocate, but I remember when the government stepped in and said, smoking causes cancer. You know, you can't do this and you can't do that and on and on and on. Well, And I'm one of these people that's, you know, look, if you're dumb enough to fire up a cigarette, knock yourself out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's kind of like what's going on now in the media where they want to silence any voice that's, with, you know, with a buzzword patriotism because that means to go out and hurt people. Right. Which is ridiculous. But again, the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, all of those things are under attack. Any of the most of the amendments are under attack. attack. I mean, most of them are under attack right now, and people don't see it. They are, and 
No, and, and I think, you know, one of the things that uh, I had a seminary professor who always used to tell us that uh, Satan always, and I mean always, overplays his hand. Amen. And if, and I really believe that Satan is going to overplay it and has overplayed his hand here. Already, yeah, absolutely. Because they're, you know, it's kind of like I, re, I was um, listening to the radio the other day, and, and I thought to myself, these people are going nuts. Uh, as an example, saying, well, President Trump incited a riot and insurrection and so on and so forth. I said, well, if he did, then why aren't the news agencies playing what he said over and over and over? Because he didn't say it. You know, well, what he said was, you know, well, here we got two problems. Number one, he was still speaking when the first people were already breaking into the Capitol building. We've got a little timeline issue now. Yeah. Add to that, he was saying peacefully walk over and support the brave senators and congressmen. He didn't say even march. He said walk peacefully. Encourage. And then... It, well, uh, yeah, and, and there's nothing. Uh, there, you've had senators and presidents and people say that since we've been a country, and you've got Democrats with at least ten times that I can recall telling Antifa to get out there and and do your thing in their face. You know, well, look at Maxine Waters in in California. Get in their face, yell at them, throw them out, or, you know, make fun of them in restaurants, make their life miserable. You know, they were inciting right. it. Well, yeah, burning buildings, all of that. And then when you ask one of them, they're like, well, you know, people are going to do what people are going to do. I I still think the funniest thing I ever saw on television is, I think it was a CNN reporter, in front of a burning police car at night with the riot people running hither to and fro going in a mostly peaceful protest. (laughs) It was, how do you do that with a straight face? And yet people think that it was uh, completely normal. Well, I, I think the division is it has been burning slowly for years. This isn't something that's cropped up overnight, and it's no. because our our rights are slowly being eroded, and people are saying, "Okay, well, as long as I have a little peace and freedom, you know, I guess I'm okay." Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that we as a church, a small body of who we are. Are I think first and foremost, constitutionalists and Christians yeah. who believe in in you know having a a free system, a, a capitalist system, a system of the ability to re, to worship how you want, and certainly there are those that worship in some ways that you know has us scratching our heads. Yeah, but nonetheless, they are allowed to do so under that constitution. And that doesn't, you can't suspend something like that because, oh my goodness, there's a pandemic loose with a 98 point, what is it, 98.7 survival rate? Or better. Or better. I mean, people with underlying conditions, for heaven's sake, more of them die of the flu every year than this is, and I mean, you know. I think one thing we can say about COVID, if you read the news, is it's cured cancer and heart disease and and uh, the flu and everything else, the common cold, everything's gone except COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and many doctors have tried to say that, and YouTube will shut them down. And, you know, there, there is a narrative. And the tech 
oligarch tyrants have decided we control the narrative. We are the new electronic Goebbels. That's what they've become. And they've done it on behalf of a political persuasion that they prefer, one that doesn't hold them accountable to sin. And this is the simplicity of it. These companies embrace sin, and they want to not have any conscience to that effect, and thus, if you speak against their belief system, they're going to hold you accountable and cancel you. They're going. Banks are going to start wanting to have a social credit score on you. Are you one of those weird Christians? Maybe we don't want you here at the bank of whatever. That day is coming if we're not careful. Oh, it's coming. Marriott's already said, I don't want any, we don't want any Trump supporters staying in our hotel. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that's easy. Easy enough. Holiday Inn, no problem, you know. And, you know, one of the, I've said this and I'll say it again, if you get woke, you're going to go broke. And, and you've, you've seen that happen with, uh, you know, some of these oligarchs, billions were lost off of Twitter over what they did to President Trump. Mm-hmm. And then others followed suit just by closing accounts. And I think there was, what was it, a loss of their stock of somewhere around 6 or $7 billion? Yeah, about, you know, 5% of their wealth, you know, disappeared just in an afternoon. And same thing with Facebook and others. And then they're angry at a group that that went on and, you know, formed called Parler and shut them down because they said it promoted hate and violence, and so on and so forth. And, you know, I got to thinking, uh, as a Christian, I remember my history of the early uh, founders of this country who met in, in t- inns and taverns and so on and mm-hmm, so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, And they were called, what? The same thing that people are being called today. Insurrectionists. Insurrection. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and we're seditious and so on and so forth well okay sign me up yeah because the constitution gives me specific rights to do specific things and i am not going to give them up because some guy says in a mass comes to my door and says i'm sorry you are violating the amount of people and social distancing rules here in your church I'm not going to comply. No. And, and you know, I, I have an 80-year-old in my church who contracted COVID at the doctor's office. Yeah. And survived. He's fine. He just said, yeah, it was a nasty flu, but I'm doing okay. And he has underlying heart conditions. There, there are things available to make sure that people aren't dying from this. And there are, you you can't use this as an excuse anymore to run around and to uh, get rid of people's rights. Well, I was saying, you can't do it. I was saying on yesterday's program, earlier this week, if you watch the news, you know, St. Andrew Cuomo the Pious of New York, you've heard of him, haven't you? Well, I know his brother Fredo well. Yeah, but you know, but but it, but he says all of a sudden it's like uh, we we have to hurry and open up, or there'll be nothing left to open up. The, the light finally went off. So now it's yeah. But of course, now he's going to want federal money. He's going to want all the other taxpayers in the states, like oh, I don't know, maybe Florida and Texas, to 
pony up to salvage the mess he made. Uh, Michigan will do the same. There's no doubt in my mind about it. The states that destroy their own economies are going to be out with their hands out to the new administration. Of course, and guess who's going to pay for it? Joe yeah. Middle Class pa- Taxpayer. Right, and and it, it always does. It's well, I, you know, look, even in the days of our early founding, the Revolutionary War, those days, the church spoke up from the pulpit and said, "What is going on here is wrong." Mm-hmm. And what we have to do, of course, you can't fight conventional battles uh, like we have going on with these Democrats with, you know, it's a spiritual battle. You can't fight it with conventional weapons. Now, I'm going to I can I can imagine some people that I've talked to in the past. They'll say, well, you sound like some kind of Christian nationalist. Well, that's not exactly true. What we are are Christians. We have a set of rules. We have we're Christians first. Number one. And, and our job as Christians is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to proclaim what is sin and what, what it takes to redeem yourself from that sin and, and confess it. In other words, we're not supposed to stand idly by as the world literally is going to hell in the proverbial handbasket without giving notice. St. Paul never pulled a punch when it came to sin. He called it for what he saw it. And now a lot of what he has written in the Bible in some states, I know in many provinces of Canada, is considered hate speech now, and you can't put it on the Internet. You can't say it in your church, or you might be cited. Well, that's coming here in the United States. I think you'll start to see the uh, uh, there'll be approved churches that, you know, and we we all pretty much know who they're going to be. Well, yeah, I, I, and I don't mind saying it on this program. You'll see the Episcopal Church, number one, as long as, especially if you got a lesbian uh, priest that are that is willing to marry two men. I mean, you're going to be the best church in town, and, and one that also preaches there's many ways to heaven. Just live a good life. You can believe in Buddha or or Brahma or anything else you can come up with. It works for us, too. Yeah, there's one. There's many paths to the to the one God with many names. Oh yeah, it, it's the same old East meets West uh, theology, and it it doesn't work. And and I think we as a church in this community of what's need to be sure that the gospel is preached first and foremost, and that means you're going to have to stand up against some of the things. In fact, most of the things that the state is going to come up with. Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, where I live, um, we don't have a bonehead for a governor. True. So, uh, the 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 rights he he keeps a pretty strict um, handle on allowing uh, federal government overreach in his state, and you see several states like that. South Dakota is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida, uh, Tennessee, uh, Alabama. Those places are saying, you know what, we'll put the CDC guidelines in place, but we're not going to shut everything in the planet down. Uh, even in spite of some of the weirdness in the election, Georgia has been the same way. We, we divide our time between Georgia and Florida, and, and it, it has been relatively normal by comparison here to some other places that I have been. Well, if it's 
and it's the blue states, I think, are the, you know, and I hate to be political about this, but they're but the ones true. that I think on purpose burn their state down. And then and for the sake of political correctness and other nonsense. Power. Yeah, it's also called mail-in balloting was another thing that was born of this pandemic. Well, and that was that was done on purpose. That pandemic was stretched out. And I think after January 20th, you're going to start to see, oh, well, the lift, the great cloud will lift and mm-hmm. hallelujah, we shall be redeemed. But you're going to see as well a very dark curtain go down over anyone who professes Christianity yes. and the Bible as a literal document, as a book to live by, and who professes that sin must be like you said, confessed, mm-hmm. and and people who actually believe what the book says. I, yeah, is, does that mean there's going to be persecutions? Sure. They're already making a list. Uh, you know, um, the current president's uh, press secretary is a staunch Christian. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they've already said that they're going to put her on a list and anybody that hires her, they're going to blackball. Yep. So they're going to ruin lives. They're going to do whatever they or, can. Or they're going to try. And, and well, here's what... Try, but, uh, we, there's a thing called a pendulum that everybody seems to forget. And, and I'm going to get a few of my f- listeners that are very apocalyptic, and I get it. Uh, whether we're there or not, I don't know. But if if they miscalculate and every despot always at some point makes a mistake and especially in an age of communication and things that still can be done i i don't if things turn the other direction you know how how are you thinking to feel when you get blackballed it's going to go back and forth for a while I, I i i just have this feeling that the idea of the happy days are here again that i uh, I think that Nancy Pelosi is trying to believe are going to happen will like it did in the after the first two years of Obama backfire in their faces. Well, it always has. It, it's never been anything that's done any good other than for those who implement it. And you have, and that only works for a little while. But I think one of the things that people forget is, oh my God, they can track us with their cell phones. They know everything there is to know mm-hmm. about us. The NSA can list, has every text message, every grocery list, anything we've ever put mm-hmm. on our phone. They've oh, yeah. got it on file. Absolutely. Well, guess what? They, so they have it on the Democrats, too. Mm-hmm. They have it on everybody that owns a smartphone. And that includes Democrat politicians. That includes um, Republican politicians. It includes Every living soul with a smartphone on planet Earth or a computer, they've got everything they need to know about you on it. So the same restrictions they're going to place on everybody else, they're going to have to deal with. Because you can't have it one way or the other. There's no way to flip the switch and go, only conservatives can do this. I mean, they're trying it with with Parler and Mm -hmm. other websites. I think Parler's going back online pretty soon. they got an international hosting well, you know, it, well, is what I, I think I heard, but let me let me do it this uh, way. You and I, I was talking. We were talking, kind of off the record, and I really believe that sometimes opportunity, you know, crisis can give opportunity, and and there are a lot of people out there that say I don't care about your stupid politics, 
uh, you know, I, I'm sitting here in, oh, I don't know, make up a country in the world. Uh, I got server space. Come on over. You know, I'm, I, I don't care what the Democrats think. They don't have any influence over here at, on my servers. No. And, and, and I think that every time somebody tries to play this cancel, you know, uh, game, this cancel culture game, Somebody comes up with a way around it. First, everybody thought if, hey, if we if we kick them off Twitter, they have nowhere to go. Well, guess what? Parler came along and was outgrowing them. That's why the tech tyrants had to, you know, band together and break an, and they broke and they're breaking antitrust laws. I I see some real headaches. They 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 overplayed their hand. And they may be facing antitrust when you get Google and iPhone and Twitter to all gang up and Amazon on one company to put them out of business. That's unfair trade practice. And they may not want to pay the bill for that one. Well, Democrats clearly, I mean, this election was stolen. There's no doubt about it. It couldn't have been and, and legit. It wasn't, no. Now, it's not a legitimate election. And everybody... But somebody will say, well, well, they recounted in Georgia. I said, yeah, they kept recounting the same phony ballots that were mailed in from yeah, addresses that are nothing but open fields. Dead people, people from out of state. If you keep counting fake ballots, you're going to get fake results. Well, yeah, you can't. You've got to. What they tried to do is isolate everything that came in after the polls closed. Uh-huh. And that didn't work. I mean, you've got the, the the judges are in on it. Everybody else was in on it. And to to say this was a legitimate election with the numbers that that uh, a man who hid in his basement for the whole electoral, you know, who couldn't get more than eight to ten people yeah. every time he held a rally, well, it is ludicrous. And, l- and they Florida, know they cheated. We know they cheated. Florida we know was Trump a- won in a landslide, and it's just. You know, the, the thing that bothers them is they know that we know it, and they are deathly afraid of the 75, 80 million people that voted for this man. they got to cancel them out and, and quiet them down. Yeah, well, the bottom line here is that these people aren't going away. Well, thinking that by threatening them, by kicking you off Facebook's going to change your politics to, you know, to join the other side doesn't work. Yet I think that they believe that they can... Well, you know, we don't want you on Facebook if you like Trump. Well, then we don't like Facebook. It's really easy. And they're going to find out that it it could cost them a substantial amount of their value. We have a break coming up in just a moment here. I want you to hang on for the other side uh, of this. We shall return here on Truth to Ponder. And I've got a couple of thoughts. And then I want to change the direction that we can. Politics are easy to talk about. But I, I think it's more important that we talk about the church moving forward. And, and what the church can and should be. This is Truth to Ponder. We will be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The salvation sign coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out. on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, Messiah was invited into the house of a sinner, a corrupt tax collector named Zacchaeus. People were amazed that the Lord would associate with somebody of that nature. And yet during his visit, Messiah said, Today salvation has come to this house. 
Now, why did he say it? Was it because Zacchaeus broke out into singing Onward Christian Soldiers or, or because he could say the Apostles' Creed and recite Calvin's Institutes by heart? Was it because Zacchaeus went to the other room and changed and came back with a radically saved t-shirt on? Or was it because Zacchaeus was holding in his hand the latest Amy Grant cassette? No, it was none of these things. It was because Zacchaeus had made a statement, which was this, Behold, Lord, here and now I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay back four times as much. What was the salvation sign? It was putting the gospel into action. It was real, costly, sacrificial. I really mean it, Lord. Putting my money and treasure where my mouth is, repentance and action. And he did it joyfully and freely. That was the salvation sign. See, words alone don't cut it. The Lord's waiting for you to be like Zacchaeus and really apply the gospel fully in your life with nothing held back. He's waiting for you to take the initiative and do that really good thing, even that costly and sacrificial thing that you know you need to do, to make that needed change in your life that the Spirit's been tugging on your heart to do. Do it and do it joyfully and you'll be blessed and the Lord will say with joy, today salvation has really come to this life. Want more? Ask for the Zacchaeus Principle. Now the free gift for you. What if you discovered the place where the lost Ark of the Covenant was? Well, a newly revealed ancient discovery just as awesome. The mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. It's our free gift to you. And Sapphire's daily spiritual vitamins guaranteed to revitalize your walk or a free New Testament. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's all you do. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed, but call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, the Jewish people brought you the blessings of salvation. I invite you to join with me to bring it back to them, to bless those who blessed you and reach the unreached peoples from every nation. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy at Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah. Tikvatenu, our hope. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to Truth to Ponder, the Friday and weekend edition. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I want to thank those that have taken some time to actually write physical letters. People still do that. I'm, it means a lot to me. And the support we're getting to keep this program on the air. The only real bill this program has each week, each month, are the airtime bills for WRMI and the number of airings we have there. And now KVOH out of Los Angeles, reaching back into Texas, Louisiana, Florida, the Southern, you know, the Deep South, and also the Caribbean and Central America. We we now reach there as well each day. And we're thankful for the opportunity that God has given us. If you want to find out more about the program, of course, our website is truth, the number two, ponder.com truth the number two ponder.com and i will give a mailing address for those who would like it i'll give it now if you want to reach me we're in georgia for for the season and we can be reached at 21 berkshire b-e-r-k-s-h-i-r-e 21 berkshire lane and that is in by the way at 263 on that first address line that's our little special box they use here to find us And that is in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 
3037. That's 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263 in Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. My guest, the Right Reverend Ian Anderson, a, an associate with of mine. We work in the same church body, and I'm proud to be a member of the Reformed Anglican Church. Word, sacrament, tradition, we maintain that. Now, we're talking about things governmental right now, and I don't want people to think, are you some kind of nationalist church group? Not, no, not really. Go back to the colonial times in this country. Go in many places across the world where Christians stood up for what was right and against those things that were wrong. And we as Christians are not supposed to hide our light under the bushel. We are supposed to show the light of Christ to the world and be willing to, you know, put our lives on the line because he gave his life for us. Welcome back, Ian Anderson. I'm glad you're with me today. There, We really hadn't talked before we got on the on the program today. There's a little project that's going to be working in the background. It may take several weeks, so don't be looking for it too quick. And uh, we call it the North Church Light. And uh, it, it kind of makes sense if you go back into our history what that means. And uh, people remember the ride of Paul Revere, and they used... One light by uh, what's two by land and and uh, was I suddenly forget the poem? Do you remember? One of one of by land, two, two of, of by sea. sea. I just drew a blank for a split second, but the idea was to put out the warning. The light from the tallest thing in the town was the church, and they could see that light. And and we as people in the church should be the light of the world. I mean, we should be not hiding our light under a bushel basket saying, thank you for keeping us safe, uh, you know, or thank you for letting us worship. The government is not the giver of our ability to worship. God gives us that right. And while God does, and people are correct, ordain governments, when governments do evil, we're not, under, under, we're not compelled to follow them. I mean, the Bible's clear on that. Peter, you know, said it very clearly in his chains. He said, uh, I serve God, not the government. Real quick. And if the government's wrong, you, you have to take a stand, and you're going to be accounted for that. So what what do we need to do, number one, as Christians, regardless of what church body you're in? And then we'll talk about the one we're in if you want to find out more information. Well, what I think is like what you said that, you know, we, we serve God first, but we're also citizens of this country. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I think yeah, that's the part of being in the world. That's, that's the part of being in the world. Well, not of it. That's yeah, that's exactly where I was going and what we need to do to teach people uh, how to be good citizens. I mean, I can, I can think of no better citizens on the planet than Christians. Um, but they, they also, have to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, number one, and number two, they have to be able to, when asked, tell people about that truth. Uh, People are always looking, I think, and I get seekers, I call them seekers, that come to Mm -hmm. resurrection, and they want to know specific things about what do you guys believe, and one of the first things they ask, and and they'll, they'll say, you guys aren't liberal, are you? No, and you know, for us, we know what that means. We, you know, we don't, we don't subscribe to the apostasy that the church has embraced. And I'm talking about 
several mainline denominations over the past mm-hmm. 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we're separate from that, and our job is to preach the gospel and let the gospel do its job. Yeah. That's all. And, and we, I think, in this country are going to be at some point checked on it. The government's going to say, hey, wait a minute you can't do this and you can't do that and, and so on and so forth. And without specifics, I, I'm simply going to say this, there's going to come a time when we're just going to have to say, Hey, look, um, this is what the church believes. This is who we are. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to change that, uh, for some political reason. And no matter what they threaten you with, That's and true. you know, Jesus is, God. Sin is sin. The only way out of that is through Christ, Mm -hmm. period. End of story. And, you know, all the freedom of religion aside, uh, that's what we preach, and that's what we will continue to preach. And, uh, you know, look, to me, it's kind of like, I remember my grandpa said, if you don't like what's on the radio, change the channel. And, you know, Uh I, I get when I, I've been in the pulpit many times where I've had people come up afterwards and go, well, I just don't believe any of that. Mm-hmm. I said, well, that's a shame because it's certainly the truth. Check it out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Oh, yeah. But you're not going to find, I think especially with us and other groups, No, we're not going off on a tangent. No. You know, and especially when it comes, when people ask, what are we going to do now? And look, the you can't you can't outsmart God. He already knows the end of the story. He's already told us what the end's going to be about. Mm-hmm. And he just simply said, "Don't worry about it. Trust me." You know, I got this. years ago there was a wonderful Baptist preacher. I think he lived in North Carolina, and uh, oh, his name escapes me. It'll come to me in just a moment as we're talking. Vance Havner was his name. And just a wonderful individual. I used to, I've heard him preach many a time. And a lot of people get all worried about eschatology, end things, the end of the world, the apocalypse, the mark of the beast. They get all tied up. Yeah, I know. And, and, and somebody wants to ask him, so are you a pre-tribulation rapture or mid-trib or what are you? Uh, what kind of millennialist are you? And, and he looked at the crowd, and this is a Baptist preacher now, mind you, and he said, I am a pan-millennialist. And they looked at him and said, well, what's a pan-millennialist? It'll all pan out in the end. And, and there's real yeah, truth in my, that. Yeah, that's my theology. Be, because, you know... I'm a pantheist. You know, Darbyism from 170 years ago has distorted what the end times can or could be. I think we're looking at certain parts of the scripture that are we're we're misunderstanding them for lack of a better term. I'm not going to get deep into it. Yes, Jesus is coming again. He is coming for his bride, the church. No ifs, ands, or buts. Scripture is extremely plain and clear. But no man knows the day or the hour of his coming or even the exact there, there's so many details, none of our business. Even Jesus doesn't know the day of the hour of his return. So when these people say, well, I can remember back in 2015 working for a ministry that was into end time stuff and somebody's saying, well, we have till August to prepare. After that, it's too late. Well, that's five years ago, five and a half years now. 
So, you know, I, I don't get wrapped up. I, I, I'm prudent. I prepare for the things that can happen. But I'm not going to have 25 years of, of junk food stored in the basement that, you know, that's supposed to last. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's going to get stolen anyway why if that's the I case. Why would I be here? Yeah, if Jesus is back, why would I want to stay? Yeah. Or, you know, you know, I, I want to go be with the Lord. Look, the, tri- the tribulation, yeah, I, whether it's the whether this tribulation period yeah, we're going through is the great, we don't know. But the church has been through many times all over the world. If if you lived in Germany in 1939, if you were Jewish in, in Poland in 1940, you would have thought you were in the Great Tribulation. It was for you. And, and it's been that way in the Soviet Union. It's been that way in communist China. It's been that way in Cuba. It's been that way in Venezuela. And you can go down the list of countries from North Korea they, they live in the Great Tribulation, and we as spoiled Western Americanized Christians think we get a, a get-out-of-whatever-free pass is ridiculous. So, you know. Yeah, well, I, I get that question. Do you think this is the end times? And I said, we've been in the end times since Jesus ascended. Amen. And as he said, we were. <laughs> he said we were. Yeah, so, I mean. This is always the beginning of the birth pangs of the end. And, it, they know, and how, whether it lasts another day or another year or another thousand years, don't ask me. I, no one. I was not made privy to the day of his return. Either was Jesus himself. So, don't think we know more than the heavenly Father and our Savior does. We don't. You well, know, it starts to get heretical when you start counting numbers and mm-hmm. and, and this guy's name equals six 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 if yeah. you divide it by forty and take away the twelve. And I mean, it just, I, I've seen it all. It and it. look, I go back. I go back uh, to the before the election. All I, I, I pointed out on this show a few times, some of these people that had all these prophecies from God that, that Trump was going to win the election. He was going to win on election day in such a way that the world could never uh, d- doubt it. That was one. Then another one after the election didn't happen the way he thought. Well, it'll all be fixed by Thanksgiving. The Lord has told me before Thanksgiving we'll have something to be thankful about. Then another one before December the 12th. Every one of them has been wrong. And people keep sending these people money and supporting their so-called ministries. You're supporting frauds. You know, the prophets. How is it spelled? P-R-O-F-I-T or P, you know, or prophet. I mean, it, it, this is the ridiculousness we see in our world today. Then we have churches that are so busy about our feelings. I mentioned these lyrics. You know, you and you you had a great item that I, I'll have to add to my radio show one day about the unchurchy church that you had recorded a while back. And, yeah, that's right. And and these are the churches that are about how I feel today. And lyrics like. These are actual lyrics from actual Christian music that are actually have been sung on a stage with a light show by somebody, you know, wearing tight jeans. You are my desire. No one else will do because nothing else could take me to your place to feel the warmth of your embrace. I mean, this is what passes for hymnology. Well, yeah, and the problem is that Jesus turns out to be more of your boyfriend than he is a... Or, uh, or savior or, of the world and creator of the universe. Yeah, somebody, I mean, it, it sounds a little. My now, boyfriend's back, and there's going to be trouble. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, as one guy said, some of the lyrics sound like a six-year-old granddaughter marrying her care bear, and they wrote the vow. They wrote their own wedding vows. You know, this is how yeah. ridiculous I, it's gotten. I think, I think 
I think Mike Rowe said that. But mm-hmm. from, but, but you know, I, I, I know you know it was it was Clint Eastwood that said that. Well, yeah. Well, actually, it's not yeah. exactly. It was on a. It was on a Lutheran satire. Used it. It's a great oh, item. Right. It's beautiful. But yeah, you know, and I, I, I encourage people to look it up. I mean, this is the other. I'm going to say something that's going to get a few people mad. A bit of the satanic uh, deception is to have the church be about you and not about Jesus Christ. When the focus is back on you, my entertainment, I'm sitting here comfortably. I am an observer. I'm like at a Phil concert. I'm at a Phil Collins concert, man. This is great. I'm being entertained. I'm swaying to the music. Yet you're not participating. Yeah, and then the, the design. And then the guy comes with the great, uh, what's the best way to describe it? Pep talk. And and we think that we are now living in, you know, f- for the cause of Christ. Now I know some are. But the thing is, if if you can if your faith becomes compartmentalized in such a way that I go to church to feel good, and that's my purpose, and to go to heaven someday, then you you really need to reexamine why you're going to church. Ian, how's the best way to describe the faith body that we belong to? And and then I'll tell people how to find out more. I just received a well, new church this past week, you know, this, this coming weekend I'm supposed to yeah. be. I'm looking forward to a wonderful trip for a dynamic church that, you know, they, they, they fit right in with us, believe me. Well, I, I think one of the big mistakes that have been made uh, over the course of several church models that have come up, the mega church model and so forth, that um, the church itself, for us, mm-hmm. is a church that is a mature, and, and I don't mean that in the sense of age, I mean it in the sense of worship. You're not going to get a rock concert with no. a pep talk. It's going to be a solemn worship service where you come to worship God, not to be entertained or to be, you know, I've told people many times from the pulpit, if you leave today feeling uplifted, hallelujah, if you leave today feeling broken, hallelujah, because something has in everything we do yes. in, the, in the Anglican liturgy a, a focus on our ability to mm-hmm. worship God in a yes. deep sense, yes. in, in holiness and righteousness. And that's why we say what we say together. That's why we confess our sins. And it can become rote, certainly, if you're not paying attention. Or if you get, which I call, you know, you get the clergyman, I call them Reverend Mumbles, they'll get mm-hmm. up there and do a liturgy. As if he's bored to, to tears to even do it. But if you if you look at the liturgy and the words in the liturgy, and when I, because I, I teach liturgics in our, mm-hmm. in our little seminary, is is read the, you know, the, uh, the, the exclamation points and read the commas and read the question marks. Right. And I said, go home to your, your kids or grandkids and read them a story, Mm -hmm. but read it to them so that you are telling the story. Amen. And that's what our, that's what our lectionary and our, I mean, we're, we're a church of sanctified time. And what I mean by that is 
is we follow a calendar of days and months and mm-hmm. periods mm-hmm. by which the church grows and understands certain things in the life of of Christ. That's right. We are Christ-centered, and certainly we don't ignore the Old Testament, nope. but it all ties together. And liturgy is the expression of it, with, with symbol yes, it and is. sign and word and everything that goes on. It is solemn. It is worshipful, but it's for it's for people who want a mature Christian walk. They they don't want. I mean, you know, I, I call these kinds of things, and I, and I hate to be disparaging. Some of these big churches are. I mean, their theology is is a lake that's that's ten miles wide and an inch deep. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to remember that what we do is in prayer. Prayers that have been said for centuries by people who have the church triumphant, and we're now the church militant, saying the same things that they did, praying the same prayers that they did um, as one church body. I mean, you go to heaven doesn't mean you stop worshiping. And I, and I want to I pause you right there. There's one quick thing. There, there are two types of prayers that we do as Christians. The ones we do together corporately to pray for our leaders, to pray for our church, to pray for the conditions of men, the things we gather together to do. But you know what the big problem is, I think, today? Too many Christians, that's the extent of their prayer life when they come to their church. It has to extend to your home life, your daily life. It can't be just one hour. The one hour is our time. We give to God, to him. It's not about us. It's strictly about him. And we we corporately gather to do those things together. As the Bible says, forsaking not the assembling of thyselves, which is the manner of some, but even so the more as you see the day approaching. And, And this we need to really take hold of. Well, what I find interesting is, and I get this all the time, I have a guy that he works at the local grocery store, and after church sometimes I have to stop and pick some things up for home. And he's always going, you know, maybe someday I'll come to your church. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yeah, take a Sunday off and come by. He goes, you know, I just I just really have a problem with organized religion. Uh-huh. You know, everybody's such a this and everybody's such a hypocrite. Everybody mm-hmm. this, and I said, yeah, mm-hmm. you're exactly right. We We're are. full of hypocrites. Exactly. Liars, sinners. I said, if you could look into my soul, you'd spit in my face. I said, I'm the biggest sinner there is. I said, but I know who Jesus is, and I know God forgives, and that's why I'm there on my knees daily and on Sunday uh, praising his name, because I know what a lousy sinner I am. And that stuns people. Because they think for that Christians are supposedly holier than thou, and I think mature Christians know they're sinners. That's why they're there worshiping on their knees. One of and my favorite hymns as a thing. child just hit my mind. Chief of sinners though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. You know Exactly. We forget that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's I think we're reminded of it in our liturgy, and, you know, I think it needs to be expressed from the pulpit, which, and I'm not ringing my own bell, but, you know, look, if you're not preaching Christ crucified and coming again, you're wasting your time. Amen. And and sin is sin. It, there, You can't, you know, logically just make it disappear because, well, 
you know, the, the times have changed. Well, times haven't mm-hmm, changed for mm-hmm. 2,000 years. No. Sins, sin. You can't, you can't come up with any new sins. They've been doing these things for thousands of years that, that people are appalled by. And they, they say, well, be appalled. Certainly pray, but it's nothing new. You know, new sin. No. You know, since when did, when did politicians all of a sudden become honest? Yeah. Good, good question. You know, when, when did it, yeah, I mean, when did communism all of a sudden do away with greed? Yeah. I'm and looking at the clock here. Greedy? Yeah. S- scary thought. We're about to, we're going to run out of time in just a little bit, and I want to be able to, toward the end of the program, uh, share some information and contact and, and everything else. In the last, in the, you got about a minute here, maybe a little less. Any, any last thoughts that, that, that come uh, to your mind that we need to, while we have this opportunity to talk about the Reformed Anglican Church, any anything that just comes to mind that you just really well, want to yeah. get you out there? I, I think even in trying times, the church grows, and I think our church will grow. Be, be in, and uh, let me say this. It, it's a place where you can come and fear not. And, and that's what Jesus told us. But don't be worried about it. Fear not. Come and pray. Come and love me and your neighbor as yourself. And learn what it means to be a Christian and, and give your heart, mind, and soul over to him who created everything you see, touch, hear, and smell. And let it go. And let God do what God does. And I think that's what we are, is that place where one can come and just let it go. And fear not, because God's in control. I don't care what's going on around us. And that's what's important. I think people need to understand fear is something Satan loves. And love cannot stand, or love overcomes hate. You, you just can't fight it. Ian, my brother, it's been wonderful to have you on the program again today. We need to do this again sometime soon. We keep saying we will, but we have a hard time getting around to it. A couple of projects that Ian and I and others are working on will be northchurchlight.com northchurchlight.com That's down the road. Don't worry about it right now. But if you want to find out more about the Reformed Anglican Church, you can go to our website. And yeah, I've got to do some work on it. I plan on some major upgrades uh, time willing, and I'm praying to get some help on it as well. And you can find us. There's two easy ways to do it. I'm going to give you the shorthand address. It works just fine. R-A-C-U-S dot O-R-G. That address again, R-A-C-U-S dot O-R-G for the Reformed Anglican Church. I want to thank those that have supported this ministry to date. Uh, you can mail if you want to help support the program. Make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio. You can send it to 21 Berkshire Lane number 263 in Sky Valley, Georgia 30598. That's 21 Berkshire Lane number 263, Sky Valley, Georgia 30537. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com truth to ponder. 
shining the light of truth in a darkening world.